It's good to see for the first time uh, Bradley and Aaron. They're a beautiful daughter uh, that they've brought into the world, and God has blessed them. Uh, they've built a home, moved into a home. Bradley works at the gas company with uh, uh, Danny and Scott, and he also runs his own moving business. So if you need to move your furniture from one place to another, he's your guy. And uh, he, he can pick up the back of a house, so you're in good hands. Um, we're glad for you both, and uh, we welcome you to uh, a soon invitation of when you dedicate uh, your beautiful daughter to the Lord. I know it'll be special. you want to invite family. And uh, Bradley told me that Aaron is, that's just the first of a baker's dozen. So everybody say, God bless her. Praise God. She's going to be a baby factory. Praise God. So uh, I said Hebrews chapter 5, well, we're heading towards Thanksgiving. That's probably the finest time of the year. It has more to do with people, supper, and fellowship, giving thanks. Uh, I kind of like it a little bit better than Christmas. Christmas can be a little bit too commercialized for me, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. I do like it. But I like the Thanksgiving even more because it's really more intrinsically what we find within our families, in our relationships. It's an opportunity to be relational. And this is not to remind you who you don't get along with, but how you will get along with them. Everybody say praise God. Let's see if we can get some clarity from the scriptures. When you got Hebrews 5, say I got it. All right, well welcome, welcome today. I, I pray you're tanked up on coffee and ready for this uh, uh, sermon that I have to give. It's good to see you all. And Hebrews 5 says this, For every high priest, and we're all called to be priests, so this doesn't mean, this doesn't include you. This is an inclusive statement because you represent the priesthood to your surviving family. The Bible said, to him that's joined to all the living, there is hope. You may be the link that the rest of the family needs to Christ. You may be the living hope that the family is sanctified by your faith and by your prayers. They get to know Jesus through your person. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men. Everybody say, I'm ordained for men. Because God loves people. He loves humanity. And He even loves your relatives that you struggle with. It's always a gathering of the in-laws and the outlaws. I mean, uh, the distant cousins and nephews, but we still welcome them. We still welcome them and all that they do and their lifestyles. So we're ordained for men. So how well can we connect with people, witness to people, and love people? And your life and your love is the powerful tool where your words can come in later, if necessary, to speak to them concerning certain things. But it's the life and the demeanor, the behavior uh, of your deportment towards the family 
in that time that says the largest statement about Christ in you and how you're illuminated with life and love so you can have joy and peace uh, is ordained for men and things pertaining to God that you the priest may offer both gifts and sacrifices you say well I've already repented of my sins sometimes we sacrifice for the sins of our family we get a fresh burden <laughs> to go to our prayer closet. Uh, there's a reason we go pray when we see the needs of our surviving siblings, our uncles and uh, grandfathers and those that are still alive among us who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way. Who can have compassion. Are you prepared with compassion? Compassion means you'll be kind to offenses. Compassion is you'll understand how people can be broken, hurt. And maybe for a moment, understand their perspective when it comes to God. Maybe they've seen a bad version of God. Be prepared to uh, give an apology if someone's had a bad experience with God or church or some other Christian person. Be merciful. Be kind. Be loving. Be reconciling. Show love. Let them feel that from you you have love, warmth, kindness, and acceptance. Everybody say amen. Compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way. And Hemi's met some people out of the way before. Yeah, I, I, I know that some will come there using the celebration and the holiday of Thanksgiving to get out of the way. Uh, they might be using that for an opportunity to bubble up on the booze while, while they're there with you. You have to uh, help temper that and, and get them to slow down a little bit. For he, for that he himself is also compassed with infirmity. We see the weaknesses all around, and yet we know the solution. The solution is a loving Savior. I'm helping another pastor with another man who, in his business, now entering into his early 50s, has all these stories of how he went to Bible college to start with, thought he was going to be a preacher, turned into a builder and a contractor, and according to him, over his life's journey, that this business still hadn't worked out, this one hasn't worked out, and throws around some gigantic numbers. You know, losing 12 million, 8 million, 5 million, 3 million. I said, well, Lord, you've already lost uh, five fortunes in one lifetime. Instead of being a victim of that, maybe we should look at you not being a wheeler dealer. Maybe you should be more wise and look well to your going. Because if you'd have saved just a fraction of that by good planning, you'd be better off to jumping in blind and, not, and looking before you leave. How many believes you should look before you leave? At least I do. And so he told the pastor, he said, i tell you what, because he wants his pastor to use his good name and his reputation to get him back into the building market because he's ruined his credit his name, 
through all these losses. He said, I'm going to surprise you. I'll be, I, I, I'll try to, I'll try, try to come to church Sunday. So the pastor called me up and says, what do you think of that? I said, well, I would just look at him in love. I said, uh, no, it won't surprise me if you're in church Sunday. This is what's going to surprise me. If you've really rededicated your life and changed, it'll be a surprise to me when you're not in church. Because you have a lot to work out. Jesus said, he that's forgiven little, loves little. He that's forgiven much, loves much. Now, we always think, oh, that guy's really a big sinner. He's really going to love God. No, not always. Jesus found a man. He was a rich young ruler. And he told him he didn't lack many things. He lacked one thing. That one thing was the riches and wealth that he made himself appear to be a giving Christian in his earnest desire to serve the Lord. How many is with me? This rich young ruler also would meet Jesus later in life. Everybody say, oh, no, he lacked one thing. This one thing is what Jesus said. That's why I'm going with it. He also began to answer Jesus, what was the first and the great commandment? He turned and asked the man, and when he saw the man that lacked one thing, the Bible said Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. And he said, well... The Bible says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then he said, Then you should love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus told this man that lacked one thing, not a bunch of things, one thing. You're not far from the kingdom of God. We believe later that that man that lacked just one thing was out killing Christians in the Jewish religion and faith because he thought that was the real path to God. And he was very earnest about working out his salvation and living what he was taught to believe. Very earnest. I believe that's why Jesus looked on him and loved him. Because he saw that he was applying his heart as much as he could, but he was sincerely wrong. And only lacked one thing. Now remember, he said, He that is forgiven little loves little. He that's forgiven much loves much. So was Jesus talking about amount or what you value? I don't believe it's the amount of sin. Because if you go to hell for one or a million sins, you still miss God. And the man who lacked one thing had gotten papers from the church. In his coveting way, the one thing he lacked, position, privilege, power, wealth. And on a road to Damascus, our Lord showed up and knocked him to the ground. He immediately said, well, Lord, who is it? He says, it's Jesus whom you persecute. Every time you bind and you torture and you drag off to prison these Christian people, in that you've done it to the least of one of these little ones, you're doing it to me. 
You're persecuting me, Saul of Tarsus, the man who lacked not a bunch of things, but everybody say one thing. That evil desire and covetousness had slain him in the heart. And that man who only lacked a small amount, if it's about amounts, and I don't believe it is, but the man who only lacked one thing became the Apostle Paul. He turned away from everything he formerly believed, Sarah, and he began to follow Jesus Christ with all his heart, very earnestly as he had applied himself to the Jewish religion of Moses and the law. He had now applied himself to the Son of God, the great high priest, and the grace of God, the truth of God, and relearned the Word of God. And because he valued his conversion, he ultimately became the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ, traveled all over East Asia, went on four missionary trips, and wrote what could be argued up to half of the New Testament. And Jesus said in the beginning, Lynn, this guy only lacked one thing. So is it the amount that you were saved from, or how much do you value your salvation? This man that lacked one thing valued his salvation so much, Joel, he gave his whole life to it. He gave his whole life to it. He applied himself. He bore witness. He had compassion on the ignorant and on them that were out of the way. And he was a most qualified man after he met Jesus. He'd already studied the scriptures in the letter, and he knew that that letter was killing in an administration of death. But now in the one thing he lacked, he no longer coveted. He no longer had evil desires. He no longer thought that he wanted somebody else's place or position. He knew that he was to obey and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And even though in amount it didn't seem like Holly, he needed much, but he valued as much as any apostle of his day. And there were some big boys in his day, Peter, James, John, the original 11. Yet this man who met Jesus on the road to Damascus waited 14 years before he ever got the other's approval for what he was doing because he said this, I didn't meet Peter on the road to Damascus. I didn't meet James or John. I didn't even follow Jesus. I just had a few brief moments with him, and he came and saved my life. And I owe my life to him. And he put more value in his conversion more value in the spirit of life. He did more than the man who was forgiven much. Because you can be forgiven much and just be looking to get off the hook and get ready to start at your next deal. When somebody ruins their workplace through bad work ethics or some other dishonest deed or something they shouldn't have done at their work, all they really want is to start that job and go start somewhere else where nobody knows who they are, instead of working out and showing them they've changed, they just want to get a whole new subset of people and start all over again. 
So you can be forgiven much and not value the forgiveness you're given. Or you can be forgiven what seems to be just one thing and become an apostle and give your life and the rest of your being, heart, mind, soul, and body, to love others as you love yourself in the call of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray I'm that person that values my salvation. I pray that I value it first and foremost. And therefore, when I'm around family and people, I want to be the most loving person that I can. And because I am in the business of pleasing God, as Paul said, what should I do? Should I please man or please God? Well, if you please God, you will come across as pleasing to men concerning salvation. Now, those who don't want salvation and don't value salvation will treat you as a bad odor. And how many's ever been around a bad odor? Oh my God, I've been around a bad odor in an elevator and I was mad. I didn't openly accuse anybody, but my eyes sure did. You son of a devil. Couldn't you have held on to that before you blew it out on all of us? God, I hope that'll wipe off. Good Lord. Where's my cologne at? Right? Because we are in the sun, the sweet savor and the smell of life, and to others we're the fragrance of death. So as I please God, I seek to be pleasing to men, or do I now persuade God, or did He persuade me so I can persuade men? Then I find the exercise, pleasing to God, God's pleased to work out His salvation in me. He's pleased with me. I dare you to raise your hand and say, He's pleased to work out His salvation in my life. God has a welcome place right here in my heart. He's pleased to be working out in you. He loves you. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't want to give you a bad life. He wants to give you a wonderful life. He's not in hate of you. He's in love of you. He's very pleased. Not because you don't have problems, because you do have problems, and you're more than willing to let God work it out. And then God persuades you, and in that same persuasion by which He persuaded you, you persuade men. And then you move into the exercise, pleasing, persuading, and exercising. Here I do exercise myself to have a conscience, void of offense before God and before my fellow man. Now, I don't believe pleasing God, my motive shouldn't be to go out and offend you. I don't want to offend you. I do not have a motive to be offensive. But I do have a motive to love you and to show you a better way. Pleasing to God, I found out He's very pleased to dwell in me and to work out my salvation. And for me to be willing and honest to say, Lord, if you're not working on anyone else, I could use your help over here. Because this job site's far from finished. I, I want God to finish up and keep changing me. And you know what? I'm glad every time I hear it, those that have gone and known me the duration of what's going into five decades, they've watched me change. 
I'm continually changing by the grace of God. I hope I'm becoming more and more like Christ. I'm depending a lot less on what I used to could do. Because I found out God didn't really need all my extra effort, assertiveness and aggressiveness and forwardness that I used to think was so important to God. I thought I was obeying God. I thought I was using faith. I thought He was happy with that. And I found out a lot of times that I wasn't exactly right. I was incomplete. That being that assertive and forward and bringing God and gifts of the Spirit, which I thought were wonderful and I thought everyone would appreciate and love, and I found out people appreciate good fruit and real virtue before the gifts of the Spirit. And now I've completely changed that I don't want to lead with the gifts of the Spirit. I want to lead by good fruit. I want you to show that this old apple tree has good apples, and if you want one, take it. Because you've never seen an apple tree eating its own apples off its own limbs. Everybody say you grow fruit for others. The reason you're fruitful is they can get out of the heat of the sun and they can find a nice, golden, red, delicious, juicy apple with juice running down the sides of their mouth and say, man, that's a good apple. Can I have another? I said, you can have as many as you want. And I want you to know that I've had some disease and seasons past, but now my diseases are gone and my leaves are green. And even my attitude that I show forth is for the healing of the nation. Just your leaves, not the fruit, but the attitude that you bear. The attitude of appreciation, inclusion, and love. Tell people it's good to see them. I've been praying for you. And if they get, oh, oh, you're going to back me into the corner and preach? I said, no, but you want a piece of pumpkin pie. Is that okay if you have pumpkin pie? Put some cool whip on top of it. Call it Thanksgiving. Somebody say amen. I'm giving thanks to see you. I'm glad you're still alive. I'm glad you're here. And that's the love and the good fruit, the demeanor. What comes off of us? What do you radiate with that beautiful smile of yours? That beautiful smile with all those family pictures that I show, so enjoy with your husband and, and little Gatlin, the, the, the wonderful smiles, the places that you go. It's just beautiful. And that's what our families need to know, that Christ doesn't make me all down in the dumps and full of darkness and the end of the world and all this other garbage they teach. No, He's the light of life. He's the illumination. You're the candle that's set in the room. If anybody's happy, you are. If anybody's thankful, you are. If anyone has love, you do. I'm not down about the end of the earth. I'm down, I'm up about the beginning of life. We're in new beginnings, not the ending of anything. Please don't let anybody convince you that you're at the end of life. Your son has an entire lifetime to live. And God owes it to him because of her and her husband. God owes that covenant to her young child at least that lifetime. And as he serves God and he gives way to his children in his marriage, God will be in covenant with the next generation. 
I mean, it's taken me a while. I used to sit in church and say, why are these people are cutting off my children's future? They're cutting off my grandbabies. If it is a righteous thing to leave an inheritance to your children's children, that means God at least owes me three generations. And that's, that's limited. And the Bible says it's to a thousand generations. Everybody say a thousand generations. And how did God declare the end of Moses and Elijah and the method of the administration of the law? By declaring a new beginning. And that new beginning was the grace of God. And the moment He declared that new beginning, that old covenant, that first covenant, was waxing old, antiquated, ready to vanish out of the way. How do I know He's into that? Because I'm living the new beginning. How many knows the new beginning? I'm a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things have been made new. I'm not going into the dark day. I'm going into the day illuminated. I'm going to arise and shine because my light of life has come. And now we get to shine on others. We get to welcome them. I saw Miss, Miss Paula come in and all I wanted to do was love her, welcome her. Refresh her with my love. Refresh her with my acceptance. She's going through a lot right now. Really working with her mom. Praying for her sister. How many knows we need to care for one another and we need to be able to discern one another and tell when someone's carrying a burden and be a strength for them. Not be so self-absorbed that I'm so busy in my own trauma that I can't bear the burdens of others. Where I can have compassion on the weak and them that are out of the way and by reason hereof he ought as for the people so also for himself to offer for his sins you see I'm someone working out my sinful life and all I want to do what let people know is Jesus will help you work out the things that you'd really like to get rid of and he'll do it in a loving way Everybody say in a loving way. Now if you'll go to 2 Timothy. Not a deep sermon, but a very necessary sermon. You know, everyone expects me to be Captain Revelation every time I, every time I sit down or teach. And I'm not. I'm your brother. And these are the good qualities, the fundamental foundational truths that set us apart as sons and daughters of God. 2 Timothy 2. Twenty-five, But he says, foolish and unlearned questions. Now because I'm the preacher in the family, I always get the gotcha questions. I always get the questions that, well, if God is God, why did he do this? And if this is true, why did this happen? And all the time trying to put me in a box. And sometimes I just say, okay. Just put some cotton and some warm stuff in there where I can cocoon and I'll try to live in this idea as long as I can uh, and, and then just have to tell you. And sometimes you can just lovingly say, well, that's foolishness. We don't have to, we don't have to answer that. I don't have to answer every question. I, I, I'm, not, I, I, I'm not the encyclopedia from A to Z. I'm not the Cambridge Dictionary, though I try to be. Uh, but... 
I try to field the questions that are pertinent, the ones that I think are real and genuine. And I try to be engaging as I can and appreciative. Because if that person doesn't know how much I care, they're not going to care how much I know. And all I really know about life, Miss Jessica, is Jesus. You know, a lot of people think I know about everything. You know, I, I deal in souls and used cars and houses and plumbing. And I said, I, I, I don't deal in that stuff. I don't know if that's a good deal or not. I, I couldn't tell you. Except the Lord lead me, I'll make a mistake too. And I've made them with trying to be led by the Lord, acknowledging Him in all my ways. Please direct my path. Let this work out. As my wife had told you, uh, with the, the whole person hitting me head-on in a head-on collision, and me wondering, well, Lord, what? what, what? I, I was sitting there, I was a little bit shaken up, and I was like, and my lips were a little bit busted because of the airbag, poof! And, and the first guy in the car was a Christian man, and he recognized I was listening to Christian music. He said, you're okay, and I went, yeah. I am okay. Praise God. And inside I was saying, Lord, what's this all about? And the Lord spoke to my heart. And I'm not cliche. I'm not a cliche person. I don't use rubber stamps. I try to be a, a, a tad bit more genuine than that. But he said, all things work together for good. Because you love me. You're the called of God and you fulfill my purpose. And you're willing to be conformed to the image of my son. I, this looks bad. And, I, and, and then, of course, my intellectual mind, because of what Scott went through with his vehicle, I said, Lord, this is a terrible time to try to get a new car. And they're not letting you have any deals. And that means me and Diane could be walking. And this is not great. And please, God, I'd just like to have my car back. I did everything I could to get my car back. Worked, worked as hard as I could. I said, please just repair my car. I said, I don't worry a frame rail and hardened steel. I said, they can put a dollop of weld on that, put everything back together, and I'm a happy camper. I said, really, it's okay. Nope. I couldn't believe it. 16000 $25,000. i am like, come on, man. Just repair my car. You don't have to spend all that money. Now it's up to $74,000. I said, God, how do they see that as a good deal? The Lord spoke to me again. He said, the deal's for you, son. I'm doing this for you. The lady called me from the adjuster. All things work together for the good. Are you loving God? I wasn't trying to get a new car. I didn't want a new car. I was willing to go the distance with what I had. He said, Mr. Kello, do you remember that you put on replacement cost when you bought this car? And I said, uh, no, not really, but yes. He said, well, that means that you get a new car, whether it's a 2021 or a 2022. We pay the full amount. And I was like, well, guys, I even went back and called the body shop again. I said, you sure there's no way because nobody needs... Nobody needs to spend all this money. This is, I thought, ridiculous. Even the body shop guy says, Kevin, be happy. You're going to get a new car. Just let them buy you a new car. And I was like, uh, Curtis and I don't think that way. Now, I know if he could get replacement cost on his mowers, he'd do it. 
say amen. Me and him are so much alike. We just plug it up, fix it up, and go. I walked by one of his mowers, and it had 35 plugs in one tire. I said, I talked to whoever drives that mower, and I said, they're hitting the same hole every week. I said, no, I've not, that plug, it looks like a baby porcupine with, with an axle on it. I said, for God's sake, how does that hold air? He said, well, it does. I was like, okay. But you see, he that values, values, do you value the fact that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, humbled himself, God, to behold the things in your earth? He was born in the city of David. We're coming up on Christmas, and that's fine. But better than that, he was born in the city of Kevin. That's amazing to me. That Jesus would come down in my mess, in my ignorance, and live in my manger with all my beast-like attitudes and all my filth and garbage. How he could just say, I'm going to come and I'm going to scandalize myself. And everyone in heaven says, how are you going to do that? And they said, I'm going to go save Kevin. They said, oh, we see, we understand. That will be a scandal if you save him. And yet God... <laughs> God saw fit to save me. So watch this. Flee also foolish and unlearned questions. Avoid. Be wise as a serpent. Harmless as a dove. Because you don't want to gender strife. If you feel like that question is going to lead you down into a, a big hang up with someone, say, let's just lovingly not talk about that right now. Can we, can we, can we bypass that? I don't have to answer that. And, and, and you don't really want to know the answer anyway because you're wrong. But uh, let's have a loving time. And here's another piece of pumpkin pie. Right? And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men, apt to teach, patient, patient in meekness, Instructing those that oppose themselves. How many's ever seen someone with the wrong ideology of sinfulness and darkness really housed inside their temple and it's really causing them a lot of trouble and they're doing the most harm to themselves? It's not life. You're doing this to yourself. And that's what hell is. A making of your own sin a making of your own poison, a mixing of your own poison, and then you, for some crazy reason, taking your own poison on a consistent basis. God said you don't have to make that poison, mix that poison. You know, certainly shouldn't take the poison. Some people say, well, if I knew how to quit, I would. And I said, I know who can help with that. And He may save you, give you a new nature, and the Holy Ghost... For any of it goes away. Because how many knows you need help to get away from those things? Amen. People say, well, if you get sanctified enough, God will give you the power. Bozo, I need the power to get sanctified. That's like buying a car without a motor in it. Well, if you push this thing all the way to California, we'll give you an engine. Hey, I got an idea. How about give me an engine and I'll let that pull me and the car to California? 
Everybody say, hey, I'm going to need that power to get to where I'm going. Got to have power to bring my flesh under control and to keep under my body. I don't need a car without an engine. I went to a dealership one time and we were buying a little teeny station wagon because we were a family. And I, I know it's corny, but I thought it was such a privilege to get to be a family. I thought it was such a privilege to get to be a father and, and to be married to Diane and have two sons. And, and now, you know, I never thought it would happen. Hot Rod Kevin, we're going to buy a station wagon. A station wagon. Yeah. It was a pitiful station wagon at that. A little 323 four-cylinder, no power. I mean, if I looked at it now, I wouldn't even put a mower deck underneath it and cut my grass with it. That's how awful it was. But back then, I was like, praise God, I'm a family, I'm married, I got two boys, and we're buying a station wagon. We went ahead and got the car, and I said, oh, by the way, I said, you haven't put the floor mats in it, and they said, oh, that cost extra. I said, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean that cost extra? Well, that, that, that in, on this model, I said, well, uh, you, you mean you got to pay extra for floor mats? I said, I told the guy, I said, the deal's off. I'm glad I haven't signed anything. I said, you can forget it. I said, I at least want floor mats. And he said, okay, I'll throw them in. I said, you cheat. How dare you? This is for me and my family. Praise God. But how many knows we need everything to go with it if we're going to make it? I depend on those things. My liberty and my freedom is based on my dependency of a new nature and the power of God. I can't make it without Jesus. I can't do it without the grace of God. I can't live without forgiveness and mercy. And God expects me to give those things because I have received. That's the way God loved me. And he wants me to love you the way he's loved me. Did God forgive you? Did God have mercy on you? Was God graceful? Well, that's how we show the unconditional love of God. And it's by that love, not everyone that you just think just like and you get along just perfectly, cosmetically, the person that's so easy to get along with. Well, sinners do that all day and they haven't done anything. If you only love them that love you, what thank have you? I generally gravitate to the toughest one in the room. Tough sale. The one that's the most contrary, the most ornery. And if, if depending on the mood I'm in, I, I may start having fun with it and just kind of tag his base and, and see how ornery he can be. <laughs> Knowing these, and I should have a positive effect. Everybody say a positive effect. See, I haven't always done it right. I, I've enjoyed taunting the bear at times. <laughs> but we should show love. We should be apt to teach in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Amen. If God, pre-adventure, if God, who knows? Pre-adventure, everybody say a pre-adventure. Before their venture of salvation starts, the pre-part is you never know if they're going to say yes or no or pray. You don't know if they're going to be born again on Thanksgiving. You don't know. But you do it in hope. 
pre their adventure and their journey with Jesus Christ, they've met you and they talk to you and they get to know you. Will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, out of the snare of their evil, the doing of their evil. Everybody say, my evil comes from within. I like all you grown men that go out with these other grown men and say, well, I was with so-and-so, and then we got into this, and, and like that friend got you into it, I said, you're a grown man, you made your own decisions. You're a grown man. You got a head on your shoulders. You mean that this, this one can talk you into that? I want to smack you with a cold fish. Wake up. You're, <laughs> you're making your own choices. Stop playing it off on someone else. If God, pre-adventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, that they may recover themselves. Everybody say, recover themselves. They're going to have to decide to get out of the mess they're in through the help that comes from Jesus. Now I can introduce you to Him, but as your testimony is, the day had to come that you decided to get out of the hell you were living in. Amen? How many of you have made that decision to get out of the hell that I was creating for myself? I mean, it was self-made. Handmade hell. Or heaven-made blessings. I'm telling you, the blessings are better. Can we say Amen? The blessings are better. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the doing of evil. For are taken captive by him, by the old man at his will. And I don't want to live as the old man anymore. Uh, James chapter 2. This all came from a statement of Abraham Lincoln. I like Abraham Lincoln. This present... Society, the milieu, may think it's in vogue to tear down statues of the great history of America. But Abraham Lincoln was one of our greatest. First Republican president. And he said these words in James chapter 2, but I, I know he's in the Bible with all the other patriarchs, but I'm, I'm going to quote I wrote it in my Bible because I like him. He said, uh, I have always found that mercy bears richer fruit than that of strict justice. You know, your loved ones who are ready for you to be holy Joe and almighty righty may be very impressed if you're just merciful, kind, and forgiving. You really don't have to tag their sin, just turn on the light. Just keep the lights on. You don't have to make roaches leave the kitchen floor. All you got to do is cut the light on and they'll run. That's all you got to do, right? They run for cover. And many times people feel condemned when we've said nothing because we're showing love and kindness, acceptance and mercy. Because you might be willing to give a hug. You know, when I hug people, I want them to feel... That is me trying to love them. I want them to feel my love for them. I, I, you know, the old heart's cut on, the generator's on, 
And I try to cut it on before I hug them, Kyle. I, I try to cut the generator on and say, okay, now we need to generate some love. We're not always the greatest at it, but please be running when I hug them. Please give them a zap when I hug them. Let them feel the love of God. Everyone say amen. How many knows a smile should radiate your innermost being? See, as face answers to face in water, so the face of man reveals the heart of the man. You can tell by a person's smile and countenance what's really going on in their heart. If they really mean you good or if they mean you evil. We should love each other with a good smile and appreciation that it's a joy and to receive you into fellowship. And we accept you here. You may be making your mind up whether you accept us, but we're already going to let you know that we accept you. We're going to make it easy for you. Come on across the bridge. And the worst thing we're going to do to you is love you. That's as bad as it's going to get. It's as hard as I can make it on you. I'm going to show you love. Is that okay? Everybody say, is that okay? So I've always found that mercy bears the richer fruit than some strict, legalist, black and white, hard right, hard left, some... Uh, paper-cutting truth that just cuts people off. I have a friend of mine, and he's a friend. But every time we talk, it's always about, you're going to go to hell for that. You're going to go to hell for that. And I'm trying to, like, dude, calm down. Your go-to-hell message is too tough. I said, do you ever talk about love or heaven or the good reasons? Well, you know, some save with fear, hating the garments that are spotted by the flesh, pulling them out of the flames of hell. Oh, I know, Jude. I know. One scripture, I know. But it's not the whole Bible. There's a time when that shot might work, but it would not be my welcoming statement if I was the greeter at the church. I would not be greeting people in the New Testament with that statement. Well, you know, Proverbs as well. And unfortunately, I can help him with two bullets. He's got two bullets to shoot, two. That the way of the righteous is above to all them who want to escape from hell beneath. I got two bullets for you. Or you can come over to my side of love and there is an endless chain of machine gun truth. Belt after belt after belt after belt. I can give you the full nine and then we'll load up another belt just full of the ammunition of love and grace and mercy and truth. So we're going to have a shootout. You got two bullets and I've got two trillion. Now, I'd rather shoot two trillion bullets of love than two twenty-twos of you're going to hell. I mean, who are you? Have you decided, have you looked at you in the mirror lately? Have you said, who am I? Who, what do I? How do I come across? I know I feel like I'm seven foot five, but I'm just five foot seven. I know I feel like I'm solid as a rock, but now I'm as wobbly as a weevil. And I fall down. 
I, I got the worst of both war, worlds now. So I found that it's really faith in God. Faith in God. I can't even grow a beard like Curtis. He's Captain Beard Man over there. The bearded yard gnome. We love him. Praise God. Everybody say, we do love him. <laughs> oh, my. Are we going to love this year? This is what it says in James 2. Verse 13, For he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. And mercy, you've got two competing ideas. Judgment or mercy. Well, I want to be merciful that I might obtain mercy. Because I've lived long enough as me that there's times when I need mercy. Because I'm not always the most righteous person you've ever met. I need mercy to survive. Right? I honestly can have a bad day. I know the rest of you angels never run into stuff like that. But I've had God tell me more than once, polish your halo before you go to church. And your wings are awful dirty. Amen? Take a check up from the neck up and stop your stinking thinking. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works? Can faith say him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto him, Oh, depart in peace, brother. Or rather, bring him in and say, Have you had anything to eat? Come sit at my table. We've got plenty. Bring them in. Feed them. Love them. Do you need a coat? It's cold outside. My closet's so packed full of coats. Take one. It's free. I want to pay you for it. No, relationship is what you pay. Relationship is the price of love. Relationship is the price of love. When you love... You're paying the price to have a relationship. God's love relates to me, and I get to relate to God because we have this thing between us. It's called love, Miss Janice. It makes us smile. It makes us feel good. Not just so I can be so righteous, but to see if my love works on others. Because His love certainly worked on me. So let, let me work on others the way He worked on me. Amen. Be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body. What does it profit? What does it profit? Now, now you know, we're going to miss one Sunday of Bible study. I hope that we'll be home practicing all the Bible that we've studied. That makes sense? That's when we won't be in church, I just feel backslid. My goodness, man. Jesus never leaves you nor forsakes you. Practice what you've learned. Live the study. Turn over one chapter with me. Over to chapter 4. We're almost finished. Almost.
met a person the other day said, I'm praying for you to be like Jesus. I said, well, thank you. He said, well, uh, uh, I'm praying that you become the finisher that he was. Get finished. <laughs> I just laughed at him. Praise God. <laughs> Watch this now. James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law. And the law didn't come to damn you. The spiritual grace of God didn't come to damn you. It came to forgive you. And if all we look is if, if all we look for is bad in man, Abraham Lincoln also said, "You'll surely find it." You you can start with me. Well, he's my pastor. Well, start with me. You'll find bad in me. You'll find wrong in me. Stuff that I want to work out. I'll take hands with you right here, right now, and say, please pray for me. Please pray, please pray that I can learn to speak normally. Uh, please pray that I will allow the grace of God to change what needs to change about me. And I need changing. The greatest grace you can ever say Lord Jesus, change me and help me to be loving to change others. Because if I need change, I know that you'll change them too. And you'll do it in a gentle, loving way. He judgeth his brother, and he speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but you've become a judge. And remember Jesus said, judge not that you be not judged. If your judgment is to condemnation, that measure will come back to you. I'm amazed at the bitter people who've been in church all these years, and yet they won't forgive. With respect to persons and partiality, oh, we didn't forgive the person that you wanted forgiven. Well, see, we try to forgive everybody, even the people you don't prefer. See, we don't want to be full of hypocrisy, and we don't want to come and show partiality that we're going to forgive everybody. If I forgive my kids, certainly I'll forgive yours. Amen? And God didn't use me. Here's, here's a newsflash. Everybody say newsflash. Uh, the ref shouldn't have to come out here and remind you of these uh, guidelines. But God did not send me here to see who I could make leave the church. It's amazing that people get so unforgiving. They want me to make so-and-so leave the church. No, I'm trying to get them to come to church, join the church. I said, you're, you're on the wrong side of the issue here. Amen? Like I told you, I got no, my, our terminals don't go to hell. I have no rides to hell. If you want to go to hell, you can't do it from here. Does everyone, do you understand that? We're not, we're, we're, we're not preparing you for that. You, you can wind up doing that by, by on your own, and I pray that you don't. Amen. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Go to now, right now, today. That say, today or tomorrow we will go as if they're going to make a plan, such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, 
For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth a little time and then vanish away. And by the way, Abel's name means a vapor, a passing. Something that was here for a moment. He had a day. He offered one righteous sacrifice to God. And the next day, his life was taken. You know know not what tomorrow holds. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. Be graceful right here, right now. You may not get another chance. Romans chapter 14. Is this common sense down on the earth? I mean, you can't miss this, right? Romans 14, him that's weak in the faith. Correct him, rebuke him, and instruct him. No, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. It may not be the time to go over all that stuff. It may be the time just to love him and enjoy minced meat pie or pumpkin pie or something or or dressing or turkey. I feel like I'm backsliding, but it's but I'm enjoying it. Praise God. And I plan on backsliding Thanksgiving Day. I've already I'm, I'm preparing my fall. I've already told God ahead of time, Lord, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to sin on that day. I'm going to be at Scott's house, and it's going to be smoked turkey, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to break all the rules. And please forgive me, because at least if I die that way, I'll be happy when I die. Amen. But anyway, (laughs) how many can say amen? Praise God. The doctor did say I was keeping my blood sugar too low, and he let me go up another five points, which was amazing. Don't tell Diane, because I'm going to blow her away when I come in a little bit high and I'm still covering the doctor's orders. But one believeth that he may eat all things. That's me. That, I'm, on that, I'm in that camp. Another who is weak, they only eat herbs. I'm not in that camp. They're also called vegans. And you know what the Indian name for a vegan is, don't you? Bad hunter. All right. It was good. You can go ahead and laugh. You know it was good. I'll be here all weekend. Bad hunter. <laughs> uh, he never brings nothing home. It's potato soup again. Sorry, shot. Can hit the side of a barn. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, because there's a revelation. If they eateth not, there's more for you. Let not him that let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. Amen. For God hath received him. Yes, he has. Who art thou that thou judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, and God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, and another esteemeth uh, every day alike. Let every man be what? Fully persuaded where? Now, your persuasion and your reason and your sense is made in your mind, but what you reason and have right and wrong about is calculated in your heart. 
Your mind does not tell your heart what to do. Your, your mind makes sense of how your heart is leading you. It makes reason out of your convictions. It makes sense. And if you can't make sense out of it here, you'll never command the rest of your soul and it never will become your strength because your behavior comes from your beliefs. Can we say amen? See, thinking is difficult. Thinking and reasoning is difficult. The lazy man makes a fast quip and a judgment. He doesn't have to take in all the information. I can't judge so quickly. I've got to make sure I'm even in the right spirit when I judge a matter. And if, if, if you ask, and other than that, I can't really tell you if you don't ask me, then I've got to hear the whole story. You can't answer a matter before you hear it out. You've got to know what's going on. And then I get really, really cautious because I really want to be graceful when a, a big decision needs to be made. I'm going to be on the side of grace time and time again. And, and for those of you who don't know that about me, I, I, I'm sorry that I haven't come across in a way that I'm going to choose to be graceful. Always. I do not like cutting people off. I do not like cutting people down. I will try to revive and recover and restore and reconcile every time. And if it takes two miles, we'll go two miles. Because I value the salvation of Christ. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, either to the Lord, for he giveth thanks, brother Kevin. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not, and he giveth God thanks. Not so much anymore. For none of us lives to himself, and no man dies to himself. For whether we live or whether, whether, whether we live... We live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died, rose, and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. Now God can deal with somebody in their death because he has died. But how many knows he gets to deal with me because he rose and he's full of life, and I've been resurrected with him. My discussions are life. Even when he comes to death, he tells me, I've abolished death, and you'll be born out of death like I was. When this old earth suit takes its dirt nap, and I'm awaiting on that last trump of God, in the sound when I shall arise, I will get up again. I will complete. Christ will complete in me what he began, the first resurrection. And blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Raise your hand and say, that'd be me. I'm telling you, if you want to go in the right bunch, that's the one to be in. <laughs> I would def if, uh, if you got any sense about you, that's the train you need to be on. The second one doesn't turn out so good. Okay, I'm just telling you, this is the one to get on, trust me. You didn't believe anything else I said, bless <laughs> And holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. Because on them, the second death, which is the second crowd, uh, it's not going to turn out good for them. But on us, death has no power. Lost its power. 
Christ gave us eternal life. So I want to tell you that I, I do love you today. And I want you to be compassionate and kind. Be uh, harmless as a dove. But yet, at the same time, be wise as a serpent. Realize if someone's positioning to get you in a corner. If someone's just waiting to snap at you and bite you with fangs. And avoid that conversation as much as you can. And, and offer them pumpkin pie. Right? Just offer them a piece of pie and say, here, eat that. Amen. And, and then hopefully give them an extra helping of turkey and then just pray for the tryptophan to kick in and then they'll be conked out on the couch and they'll leave you alone. Everybody say amen. Isn't that wonderful? That's what happens at my house. The tryptophan kicks in and everybody's... It's a beautiful day. I want to say that I love you. I want to say that I do pray for you. And let's have the right demeanor. Let's have the right attitude and the right spirit when we're around our family. Because that's how they see Christ. They see it through you, David. They see it through you. You're the link. You're the link to the rest of your family. And let's be good to them. And let's enjoy ourselves. Amen? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this congregation, the worship, the singing. And thank you for the practical truth of conducting ourselves in a godly way. God, let us understand the great calling that we should have compassion, that we should show kindness, that we in meekness instruct people. God, we are praying that we send the light and we do not hide it under a bushel barrel, but God, we let our illumination and our good leaves provide healing to the nation. Let us be healing to our families, our neighborhoods, our streets, our towns, and our cities, our state, and our nation, our country. Father, we are the ones that give thanks for the goodness of our homes and families. For all that you've provided for us, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.